Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. Today is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021, the 292nd day of the year. My name is Patrick Finn, and I'm sitting here with Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. How you doing, Tommy? I'm not feeling good. No? no. A little sinus problem, it sounds oh, like. Oh, Jesus, my sinuses. Everything's leaking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my head, my ears, my teeth, my, my eyes, everything. But you are medicating yourself, I see. Uh, since 1983. <laughs> glad to hear that, glad to hear that. It's been two weeks now since I last saw you. What's been going on? Well, last Tuesday night I didn't go out. No. Uh, and everything else has been the same. Really? Yeah. Okay. How about you? Well, <laughs> we haven't seen each other in two weeks because I was diagnosed, diagnosed with COVID. Yeah, I know you have it. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, not a lot of fun. But it I, wasn't that bad, right? No. I mean, first of all, I was already vaccinated, so that, you know, really cut down what symptoms I did have. Okay. And the symptoms I had were basically like the equivalent of a bad head cold. But instead of like shaking it off for one or two days, it lasted for like five to six days. Okay. And I just like, I just felt constant fatigue. I had all this sinus pressure and congestion. Fortunately, because I'm in the high-risk category and uh, because I have COPD and a heart condition, but my breathing wasn't affected at all. And supposedly this, is a, this virus really attacks the lungs. Yeah, yeah. But I think because I was vaccinated that I didn't go through any of that. Like I said, I just basically went through having a bad head cold. Okay. But um, I had to stay in isolation for 10 days. I was basically stuck here in the Zen room and my bedroom, and that was pretty much it. And and Stephen was... Stephen was pretty much... At the other end of the house. Yes, he was confined to the den at the other end of the house, including having to sleep there on the couch for 10 days. Okay. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Yeah, he must have loved that. Right? So where did Abigail sleep? Abigail mostly slept, she tried, tried sleeping with Steven, but I think a lot of times she just ended up sleeping on the couch because it would put her, like, in between the doors, right. you know? But, yeah, it was like, you know, it was, like I said, I'm glad I got through it, no problems and everything, but I'm even more glad I was vaccinated when it happened. Yeah, of course. You know? Well, the thing is, I think I got it from a vaccinated person as well. Okay. You know? But this goes to show, you know, if we hadn't been vaccinated, we may have been in a lot worse shape a if, if we hadn't been vaccinated. A whole lot of trouble. Right? So Did you have any other symptoms? Like, did you have body aches? Did you have a fever? No, I had no body aches. I had a fever for a little while one night, but it was because when I was diagnosed, I was also going through insomnia at the same time. I hadn't suffered like three or four nights, and then I'm finding out that on that, third, like, after that fourth day, whatever, that I, I was positive for COVID. And I was like, well, I don't know if that was the cause of the insomnia or if it was just before that, but I had, I had a slight fever for one night, and that was about it. I had no body aches, no chills, or anything okay, like that. Okay. I said I was very, very lucky. I thought. So, yeah, so we got through all that. I just want to say thanks to everyone who sent me their well wishes and were checking on me during my isolation. And, of course, a big thanks to my husband, Stephen, who took care of me that whole week. My, my nursemaid and... I bet there was some cook words and, Oh, no, it was mostly good. It was mostly good. Except when I was getting cranky near the end of the isolation. Well, you're an animal, but I just <laughs> he is just so mean. <laughs> he was not. He was very, very nice all, right. all week. Really was, and I'm very grateful for that. What about headaches? Did you have a headache? Um, like the sinus headache I had, the sinus pressure kind of headache. Okay. And that's the thing when I when I went to get tested, the doctor who examined me thought maybe I might have a sinus infection. Okay. So he prescribed antibiotics for me for a sinus infection. So what if? What and that I, I think helped alleviate some of the symptoms I was feeling. What? Because what you described is very much how I'm feeling right now. Okay. 
So I'm wondering if I'm exhibiting COVID. You may have, you may probably should go get tested again, I think. I ain't go get tested again. Why not? I'll go get tested again. You should go get tested again. I want to go get my flu shot tomorrow. Well, I think you should do this first. See if you've been exposed to COVID. I think that's more important right now. Uh, then get your flu shot. I think it's allergies. Let's hope it is. I do, because that's how it feels. That's how it's felt. I go through this like every year, a couple of times when the season change. And sometimes it goes on for fucking days. Right. And this is what it feels like. Well, this is what everyone knows. When I was first diagnosed with COVID, I let everybody know who had been in my physical presence within about the past, within the 10 days prior to that. And that included Tommy. And Tommy did get tested and he turned up all negative on that. I did. Tests, right? I did. So... So hopefully this is not what we think it is, and hopefully it's just allergies. I, I think it's just allergies. I don't think it's nothing but allergies. But it's just the symptoms are so similar. It seems like yeah, a huge difference with the vaccine. Yeah, it, I think so too. I definitely, well, I definitely know so. I, you know, well, that's, that's the way I feel. The vaccine, but, all right. but anyway, we also have uh, this week. We uh, now have listeners in the Netherlands and Germany. I want to go there. And the Philippines. I know. I heard about the Philippines. The Philippines. And- you said the Philippines, and then you wrote three words after it, or what? Three. It was the word. Letters. They were a lot. The, the word. The, the the words were from a, a Tagalog language, which is the predominant language in the Philippines, uh, and it basically stands for fabulous or marvelous. Oh, okay. that's, what, that's what those words were. Okay, and then, <laughs> you put those words in. I put those words up. Okay, I looked those words up just so, so you could speak to our Filipino listeners in their own. Tagalog tongue. If they speak Tagalog, there are many different languages and cultures in the Philippines. I don't know anything about it. Maybe you should learn sometime. Maybe I should change my allergy medication. That too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we move on now to our first segment, which of course is heavy petting. Pets with, okay. Heavy petting. And today, the topic will be uh, dogs and trauma. Dogs and trauma. Yes. Now, have you ever had a Louie or any of your past dogs that expe- underwent a traumatic experience uh, and it affected their behavior? Uh, no. Never? No, not not the kind of thing you're talking about. Okay, really? No. Nothing at all, huh? No. Well, that's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I can't say the same for Abigail. Uh, I think I've talked about, I may have talked about this before by the time that she got bit. Um... And what it was was a neighbor's dog from around the corner, and I we just left the house and we're on the sidewalk, and I see the neighbor with the dog, and we were actually going on the other side of the street, across the street from the house, and before you know it, the owner, who is an older gentleman, lost control of the dog. Now the dog is basically looks like a Labrador mix, and he lost control of the dog. The dog pulled him down on the ground, oh, dear. dragged him a bit to go after Abigail. In the meantime, I am picking up Abigail by her harness, but before you know it, she's finagling her way out of her the harness. harness. But the dog gets her like in the maw of her of his of its mouth and bit her. Okay. Which we didn't discover until later. All we know is it was in the maw of her mouth, and I I was able to find that dog's leash and yank it back so it would let go of the dog of okay. Abigail. And then Abigail ran towards the house. Wow. We, we ended up calling an ambulance for the other dog owner because he was bleeding on his forehead. And he said he was okay and everything. It was a whole scene. So he leaves. The ambulance goes and everything. We have Abigail inside. And about 15 minutes later, we're like finding like a blood spot on her. 
Uh-oh. And we look closer, and yeah, she has a puncture wound on her side. Uh-oh. So we rush her to an emergency vet right down, right down the road here in Farmingdale. Um... And they took care of her right away. Took care of the wound, and she was all fine after that. That is horrifying. Yeah. Well, it became a real problem after that. For a while, she would not go. She did not want to go out for walks for a walk. at sense. all. To the point where I would be, I would take her outside. I would carry her outside. Put her and down. be literally dragging her to go for a walk. And we knew it was because of what happened to her. She was a scare. But the only thing we could do, and this was like right reading up on the internet as to how to, you know, handle something like this, was basically to entice her with treats. First, we got her in the habit of putting on the harness. We would like put the harness on her and take it off. We give her a treat, you know, and we give one of the training treats. So, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. it's not too fattening for her. And we would do that a couple of times. So just putting just putting the harness on and getting used to being back on the harness. And then you know, we worked away. You know, we took her outside in the backyard and stuff. I mean, she'd be okay and everything. And then it came time. We eventually, we went out the front door. With her, but I brought the training treats with me. And to an extent, you know, she would go along. She would eat the treats. And she would keep going. That's, she got in the condition to think that, all right, as long as I keep walking, I'm going to keep getting treats. And I give her a treat, you know, for you know, for walking like across the street. I give her one for pooping or peeing, just yeah. so she got used to being outside and enjoying walking outside again. The only problem was we couldn't walk down this street adjacent to my house where the other the dog, dog resides. She wouldn't want to go down there at all. But the thing was, he eventually weaned her off the treats, and now she has no problem going out for a walk. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Uh, well, she's a little fussy at the first walk of the day. She, like, gives us a hard time. Well, I don't know if she thinks she's playing a game or it's because she doesn't really want to go out. But then once she gets the harness on, she's like, okay, I'm ready to go out and stuff. It's probably a game. But she still is hesitant about going down the street where the other dog is. And And I'll take her down there and she'll go, but she'll stop and she'll look and she'll look and she'll stop. Oh, she's allowed to do that. Yeah, and that's fine. But it's like, then she wants to go back the other way. And I'm like, no, we got to keep going this way. You've got to get used to going this way again, you know? Okay, so. So she's generally been much better since then, right? She's, she's in the room and he's yes. looking at her. That's yes, why I'm you sorry. can't That's why there's him. a moment of silence on this. Because <laughs> we're looking at Abigail lounging in her bed right now. Uh, but yeah, that's the story of her trauma. I know some people who like talk about bringing their dogs to like therapists or psychiatrists or whatever, and it's like, I don't know if they're going to tell you anything differently than you can learn yourself on the internet about your dog, you know? Um, really that complicated. No, you know, they're, they're animals, you train them and you can train them through something like this as well, you know? I agree. You know, you just gotta be, you just have to be patient with them. That's all, that's all you can ever ask from a dog is just... To be patient with it. Yeah, it wants to learn. It wants to satisfy you. It wants to be the guy. Right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, if it, we, we know she was or she is. Or good boy. He wants, she, she, he wants to be good boy. Yeah, of course. He wants you to say good boy. But, uh, I mean, she was already traumatized when we had her. She was a rescue dog that was living on the street somewhere down south. And we can even tell if some of her behaviors now are still part of that. You know, so I'm sure that was traumatic enough as it was. And it took her a good year to finally get acclimated in our house. Yeah. So then to have something like this happen, it was just like, oh, do we really need this? But, you know, I guess it's part of owning a dog. It's part of owning a dog. Right? So that's it for this uh, week's segment on heavy petting. Yay. 
we now move on to Tommy's favorite segment. Happy birthday to you. can't sing that. You can't sing that with a big copyright on that. You can't sing that. I can't sing that? No, you can't sing that. We have to pay a copyright for any of that song. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yes, we are going on to today's birthday. Today's birthday. Our first, first birthday. Today. Our first birthday. Our first birthday. Was found in a cave in 1612. No, no, no. These are, these are all 20th century birthdays. Okay. So we'll be very happy about that. All right. We'll, we'll see. You we'll see indeed. This first one is a an actor born on October 19th, 1932. He studied at the... He was born in uh, Illinois, I believe. Oh. But he studied at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. And was in several Shakespeare productions over there as he well. Sounds fancy. But he ended up he, uh, working a lot on TV shows here in uh, the United States. Tony Randall. And no, and He's he dead. Uh, he won the role of a famous father of a 1970s sitcom. Eddie's father. Nope. No, not sixties anyway. I think that's late sixties. Actually, this show started in 1969 and ran until 1974. The show that this guy was in. Yes. Happy days. No, no, that's later. I believe that's later. Uh, give me more clues. Sherwood Shorts was the creator and producer of the show. Oh, he oh. Also so, created, produced uh, so that's Gillian's Island. Island. Uh, Sherwood Schwartz. What was the name of the TV show? <laughs> that's what I was trying to get you to see. Oh, oh the name of the played. show is The Brady Bunch. Oh, The Brady Bunch. And the father really? was played was, by well, actor which... Robert Reed. And he was classically trained in, at Oxford. Yep. You're not going to believe who he won the role of Mike Brady, who he who was, he was up against. A then unknown actor named Gene Hackman. Oh, that's funny. Can you imagine Gene Hackman on the Brady Bunch? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, as Alice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, uh, Robert Reed, he was not really happy playing Mike Brady. He well. thought... The role in the show was very silly and beneath his talents, but he said he kept doing it because for financial reasons. Cutching, so. bitches. But he was also, uh, during his career, he was nominated three times for an Emmy Award for his appearances on Roots uh, and for Rich Man, Poor Man, and for a two-part episode of the TV drama Medical Center. Oh. In 1975, uh, 1975 he played a character named Pat Cadison, a world-famous doctor. Married with a son, who came out as transgender and asked the main character of Medical Center, played by Chad Everett, to perform his transition surgery. Oh, dear. Which is done. So we have to see Robert Reed appearing as a woman. Oh, dear. Do you have a clip? Well, I don't know if I have a clip that I can show you, but I can definitely show you a photograph, I believe. Oh, there he is. There he is. That's how, that's how oh, dear. he appeared as a transgender woman. Looks like Nancy Walker. <laughs> and this was, I guess, supposed to be him preoperative. On Medical Center, huh? This was on Medical Center in 1975. Wow. Yeah, and this was a you know pretty revolutionary kind of thing to have on TV at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, he was nominated for an Emmy Award for the performance. Who were the leads in Medical Center? Uh, Chad Everett was the lead. Okay. Anybody else? There were, but no, no one really known. He was the lead of the show, okay. really. Robert Reed, he was married in 1954, had a daughter, and divorced in 1959. He was famously in the closet during his whole career. Okay. Although Florence Henderson said that she knew, and other cast members said that they knew as well, but he kept it a really well-guarded secret. Well, it wasn't Flo Bang Greg. No, that was Florence. 
That's who I mean. Flora Tempeson. Yeah, Flo. she was supposedly dating uh, the actor played Greg Brady. That's kind of hot. But um, Robert Reed, he ended up dying of colon cancer. Uh, although at the time afterwards, they also found out that he was HIV positive. Uh, and, uh, he said and when he, did he die? In, that was in 1992 he died. Oh, dear. Yeah. So he's been dead a while. Yeah, yeah, 30 years now he's been dead. Well, almost 30 years. So that was See, our this summer. is why I love the... Happy birthday sections. <laughs> Why? Because you get to think about Robert Reed finally getting at his gold weight buried for 30 years. Oh, man. I'm just saying. That's terrible. <laughs> Jesus. I'm projecting. I guess. <laughs> Hector projector. <laughs> we now move on to our next birthday. Okay. This person's also dead. They, they were born under the name Harris Glenn Milstead on October 19, 1945, in Baltimore, Maryland. They became interested in drag while working as a woman's hairdresser. In the 1960s, he became friends with an aspiring uh, leader of an acting troupe named John Waters, who gave this actor the name... Divine. Divine. She ended up joining his, his acting troupe called the, the Dreamlanders and eventually played female roles in his early films. The film that put both John Waters and Divine on the map was 1972's Pink, Pink Flamingos. Flamingos. Uh, other uh, films that she made for Waters also included 1974's Female Trouble. That's where she plays, her name's Dawn Davenport, and she wants her cha-cha heels. And okay. she has the whole fit with the Christmas tree and okay. everything. Great scene. She was also in the 1981 film Polyester. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you were around in 1981, but when this film was released, they would get you. Were, it was called Polyester with Smellovision. Oh! And you were basically given these cards, these cardboard cards with like a scratch and sniff spot. And when a certain number flashed on the screen, you were supposed to scr uh, scratch it and sniff the that spot. So this way, you would get these smell. <laughs> yeah, and knowing John Waters, that must have been. Bomb. Yeah, you're just gonna imagine what the smells were yeah, exactly. Yeah, well. But this was that. This film was also Divine's first pairing with Tab Hunter, oh. who later came out as gay. She later appeared with him in a Paul Bartel film called *Lust in the Dust*, which also starred Lainey Kazan. Oh wow! Her big breakthrough hit and John Waters' big breakthrough hit into the mainstream cinema was 1988's *Hairspray*. Yeah, in which she played Edna Turnblad, and what a, she was absolutely fabulous in yeah. that. She also appeared on stage in New York during her during her career. She actually was in a play playing a, a prison matron in a comedy wow. called *Women Behind Bars*. She also performed in the seventies in San Francisco with the Cockettes and became friends with Sylvester. Divine also embarked on a disco singing career in the eighties, releasing over uh, two albums and over a dozen singles. Uh, probably the most successful one was in nineteen eighty four, a song called "You Think You're a Man." And then, sadly, he died in uh, March of nineteen eighty eight, three weeks after the premiere of Hairspray. Oh wow! Right, died of heart failure. So, happy birthday to the late great Divine. Divine, wow. Right, well, that's, you know, that's that's you go out with good news. Mm -hmm. That's one way of looking at it. The movie's a hit. This is awesome. See you later. <laughs> right. I'm moving on down to our next birthday. You're still in birthdays. Still in birthdays. This one's living. Okay. Born on the same day in the same year, October nineteenth, nineteen forty-five. He is the winner of two Golden Globes, six Emmy Awards, and two Tony Awards. He was nominated in 1982 for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his breakthrough performance in the film 
The World According to Garp, in which he played the transgender ex-football player Roberta Muldoon. Okay. No, you don't know who it is I yet? don't know who it is. Mm, you didn't see World According to Garp? I don't think I did. Oh, wow. With Robin Williams starring? Oh, it's a yeah. good book, good film. Didn't see it. Uh, he was nominated uh, for six times for Tony Awards and won for two of them, including for Sweet Smell of Success. Oh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. He was also nominated for his performance in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but he lost out to his co-star, Norbert Norman Leo Butts. He also was famous for when he uh, also won, like I said, six Emmys. Three of them were for his sitcom, Third Rock from the Sun. Which was very funny. Which is a hysterically funny show. Yeah. If you ever get to see it on YouTube or anywhere on Hulu, watch it. There's one of the early episodes where he has a pair of like leather pants on, and he has to walk across this office, and Jane Curtin's in the scene. And I don't know how she kept a straight face during the scene. She probably didn't. It was just, and it's hysterical. He's, yeah. just, he, he's absolutely hysterical. There's so many, and there's so many good other people in it. French Stewart's in that. French Stewart's great in that. Uh, what's her name is in it? Uh, the girl who was on the TV Cr- show. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen That's Stewart, her name. right. Uh, she's in it, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. When he was basically a kid. Uh, but well, He so, was the kid, yeah. Right? But very, very funny show. So, yeah, Lithgow won three Emmys for that. He also won uh, an Emmy for his role as the Trinity Killer on Dexter. Oh. Yeah, did you see that I uh, season? I did see Dexter. Did you watch that season when he was on it? I, I must have. It was one of the best seasons. Uh, I mean, Some people think just, it is the best season I mean, of everything. It. Lithgow is fucking... Uh, what's the guy from England? The uh, World War II, the Queen, he was the... Well, I was going to mention, he Winston won his Churchill. last Emmy for his portrayal of Winston Churchill which on was, The Crown. Which was awesome. Right? He has, he has an excellent job in that. One of my favorite roles of him is when he plays the villain... In his 1984 film called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai oh, in the I, Eighth I, I Dimension. Heard about it, but I never saw it. <laughs> it's this campy sci-fi movie. It's 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 fun, and he gets to play the, the villain, and he's great. Okay. He's totally over the top. He's yeah, wonderful in it. But happy birthday to John Lithgow. Yeah, good for you, John. We now move on to Today in History. Today in History. But What happened today? Well, actually, the only history I'm going to discuss is something that happened today that you may not be aware of. Oh, dear. British songwriter and playwright Leslie Brighuse died today. No, he did not. At the age of 90. Wow. Yep. For those who may not be familiar with the name, he was known for writing songs for major motion pictures. He wrote the theme to Goldfinger. Gold. He also wrote the songs for the 1971 classic film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I always thought that song was kind of dirty. Which song? Goldfinger. Why? Never mind. Here's to the man, the man with the golden touch. Yeah, it's kind of dirty. You know what I mean? Goldfinger. Like the whole... if, if they sang Brownfinger, then I'd say yeah. Yeah. Goldfinger, I can live with. Well, I think they're trying to... I think he was trying to make it so he could sell it. That's true. That's I mean, true. nobody's going to buy it. Oh, yeah, that's no, a great no. idea. Let's change, let's put that on, uh, as the feature song and change the name of the movie, too. We'll just call him Brownfinger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. James Bond. James Bond is Brownfinger. <laughs> 
But uh, uh, Rakeem also wrote the music for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, including the songs Candyman okay. and Pure Imagination. So who recorded Candyman that it became a hit? Oh, Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. Jr. He's yeah. the one who made it a big hit. Okay, yeah. He also uh, collaborated with uh, singer-actor Anthony Newley on two Broadway musicals, 1962's Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Okay. Which won the Grammy for the song What Kind of Fool Am I? What Kind of Fool Am I? And they also collaborated on 1965's The Roar of the Grease Paint, The, the Smell, Smell of, of the, the Crowd. Crowd. Great title. Yeah, it's a great right? title. It's a great title. Never saw the show, never heard the music. Greg Hughes also wrote the book for 1997's Jekyll and Hyde. Oh. Well, uh, we can forgive Leslie for that. It wasn't really his fault. Yeah. It was. It was I mean, I have to I have to Linda Adder, Linda Adder loves. Yes, and rightly so. Absolutely. Her performance of it is fantastic. Absolutely. Unfortunately, when I went to go see it, she was not in it. And the person who replaced her was terrible. Well, she's not Linda Redder. Yeah, and the staging of the show I hated. And, oh, I forget the the actor's name who sang. And he actually, you know, some people flat out, he sharped out on the song, This Is The Moment. Okay. He actually went too sharp. I don't know how you do that, but he did. Uh, so it was not one of my best... I was looking forward to seeing the show, too, because I like the music. But, yeah, that was not one of my better Broadway experiences. Oh, that's too bad. But among other songs that Brett Hughes is famous for is uh, La Jazz Hot from Victor Victoria. Loves it. Talk to the Animals from Dr. Doolittle, for which he won the Oscar for Best Original Song. Fun. And also, uh, from the movie Scrooge, I don't know if you remember that movie with Albert Finney, the oh, musical Jesus. one. Uh, Albert Finney. And he wrote the song, Thank You Very Much, the one at the end, oh. when they sing when he when Scrooge is dead, and they're carting his, his, his coffin okay. off. Okay, thank you very much. Thank That's you it. very much. Okay. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> There's so many Scrooges. Right? But, yes, yeah, so that's the story about Leslie Bright Hughes. I like Susan Lucci's. Susan Lucci's? Susan Scrooge. Lucci's what? Oh, I never saw Susan Lucci Scrooge. Oh. I don't know if I can sit through that. You must. <laughs> I actually wrote my own stage adaptation of Scrooge. Is That's the one I'm reading? That's the one you're reading. Yes. If I, maybe someday you'll finish it. I only it, wrote it over I, a year I know. ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is, it, um, is it the story that I told you that I... That I thought about the Scrooge. Story? Well, you said you wanted you wanted a uh, queer version of Scrooge, so that's what I wrote. Yeah, you were okay. my inspiration for it. Oh, uh, was it? Yes. Okay. You are. Yeah, we have discussed. You're right? on the dedication page. We for must it. have discussed it. Well, I must have read further than the dedication. Uh, I hope so. That's usually right up front. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Next segment is we like to watch. We like to watch. Have well, you you're, watched? You're, it? you're you're excited about something. Well, yes, I am. Tell because, me. Tell well, me. Well, I'm going to ask you first what you watched. It's only nice that I ask you first. What did you watch over the past two weeks of interest? Uh, the same stuff I watched. Uh, go back and listen to episode seven. It's the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Tell me what you're excited about. Well, first, because I, I was basically in here in isolation in the, in the Zen room while Stephen was in the den. And usually we watch TV programs together all the time. Now you split up, you cover more. And now, uh, well, yeah, we we split up. But it's like, well, <laughs> I'd be sitting here. I'm like, well, I don't want to watch this because he he can't watch it. You know, he's in the other room. And he even suggested, you know, we can't watch things at the same time. I'm like, yeah, but you're in the other room. It's not the same thing. You know, I like watching it together with him. So I didn't we I didn't watch any of my regular shows. He didn't watch any of our regular shows. He basically watched shows that he knows I wouldn't watch, like Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Okay. Stuff like that. That's, All right. Yeah, it's his milieu. So 
I let him have that. Milieu. His milieu. So I ended up watching a lot of old movies, uh, and some new ones too, but the ones that really caught my eye, that's the ones I'm going to talk about. Tell me what they are. Well, the first one I watched, because I was just intrigued by the name of it, and that was the Banana Splits movie. Oh, I've never even heard of this. You never heard of the Banana Splits? I don't. Why did you sound like I should have? Oh well, maybe they. I'm sure they were before your time. What year were you born in? 1960. Mind your fucking business. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then you may have you may have known it. It was a it was a kids TV show back in 1968 to 1970. It was called the Banana Splits Adventure Hour. Okay. And it was basically these four oversized animal characters, anthropomorphized, you know, they could talk or whatever, and they were all members of a rock and roll band. Called? I don't remember if the band had a name or not, but they were all in this banana split. I think it was, maybe it was the banana split. I'm band. looking for a, a banana split here. Okay, but there's no banana split in there's the There's no show. animals. They, they, they're just called the banana split. They're not like, it's not like four banana splits fighting crime. No, no, no. It's just these four animal animals characters. in a band. In a band. Having adventures. Having adventures. Okay. It was very slapstick, you know, it was all that. And was, very... this, was this animated or was this Well, the action? show, it was live action. It was actors who played all the part, who played all those roles okay. and stuff. But it was the first television show that combined live action and animation segments. Okay. So there were animated segments on the show as well. Nice. But these were the most famous ones that came out of the show with the banana splits. Okay. And because of this show, it eventually led on because the creators of that show were Sid, uh, when they were co-creators, were Sid and Marty Croft. And after this show ended, that they this led into H.R. Puffins. Right. Okay. But like I said, there was this kid show called The Banana Splits. The most famous thing that people still may remember from the show is the theme song, which went, Cha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Cha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Oh, I know that melody. That's the Banana Splits theme song. That's funny. That's right? only this. Why are we talking about the Banana Splits? Because they seem to have made this movie about two years ago, and they said, let's make it into a horror film. Oh, that sounds fun, though. <laughs> Well, for those who may be diehard fans of Banana Splits, I'm not sure how crazy they would have been about this. So, I mean, wouldn't those people be, like, our age now? Well, that's why I watched it. I was intrigued. I was like, I gotta see how bad this really could be. And it wasn't as horrible as I thought it might have been. The The premise of the show is now is the four characters, the Banana Splits. Oh, it's a show, not a movie? Well, what it was a TV show. It was a kid's show. But this is a kid's show within the movie. Okay. Okay? And there's this one kid, he's a big... He's a diehard fan of the show, and he he has gets tickets for his birthday to go see the filming of the Banana Splits TV show. Okay. And so he gets to go with his family, and to meet other characters in the audience and stuff, and it turns out that the premise of this is that the Banana Splits, the characters, are now animatronic machines. Okay. And... They suffer a power malfunction, and they find out that the show is being canceled, that this is the last episode they're filming. So these four banana split characters go on a murder spree in the studio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, it's, it's one of the few horror movies where I was sitting there laughing out loud at some of the murders because they're so over-the-top and ridiculous. That's great. What's it called? Puffin stuff in the movie? No, it's called the uh, the Banana Splits movie. The Banana Splits movie. I believe I saw it on, on the. I think it was on the Sci Fi Channel. I yeah. saw it on. Sounds but fun. It, it was. It was. A, it was fun. Don't expect high art. This is not high art. Yeah, it's, right, it's yeah. a cheesy horror movie, but okay. 
It's a, it's a fun premise, if off the wall. What else did you watch? What else did I watch? I watched... Oh, who, what are you doing here? We have a guest. We have a guest. It's my husband, the producer. Hi. 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 I forgot we have to get him down to treats. Ooh. All right. You going to go get him now? Um, Pet goes closed, but Pet Smart's open. Hopefully oh. they have them. Okay. I if hope so, not, too. I wait tomorrow. Otherwise, Joe's going to have to wait out in front of the store until tomorrow morning. You can kiss my faggot ass. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, too, honey. The next... The thing I watched was the most recent Dave Chappelle special called The Closer. Okay, on I didn't Netflix. see it. You didn't see it? I didn't see it. I saw it. I really didn't want to because I'm not a big fan because I, of what he, a past comments that I've heard he's made, especially about trans people. Okay. So I really had no interest. You know, I didn't, I know everyone thinks he's a comic genius and I've never been particularly a big fan of it. Okay. And then I was reading about all the comments that supposedly he was making during this show. Yeah, that was a thing recently. Yeah. And everyone was up in arms. So I was like, you know what? I, I normally don't watch this, but just so I can hear from the horse's mouth, let me watch this special. And let me what watch did the show. horse have to say? It was even worse than I thought it was going to Really? Be. Yeah. I'd say 80 to 90% of the show was about him claiming victimhood at the hands of queer people and specifically trans people. He's a victim. Yeah. For Bucket? Because of his past comments that he was being called out in public by, by queer people, okay. by trans people... Which we, you know, you may not agree with, you know, those kind of tactics of, you know, confronting someone, like in one, one story he's telling he's in a restaurant, another one's he's, he's in a nightclub. And yeah, we know he's a celebrity and maybe he doesn't want to be, be confronted. Maybe that's not the right way to do it, but it happens. Yeah. yeah. And you, you, I guess you look, you try to learn to deal with it. But in one of these incidents, he ends up getting into a fight in the nightclub and he talks about this incident. Uh, and it's a fight with a lesbian that he, according to his act, he mistook for a man. Okay. And then he takes, he's taking glee in the story of having a fight with her and beating her up. And then I hear his comments about trans women and their anatomy, which were just disgusting. Yeah. What, what really got to me, though, is he doesn't see the queer community as as having minorities. He equates them with white people. Well, I think that's part of the black experience with queerness anyway. Well, one of, the, one of the things he says is that LGBT people are minorities until they need to be white again. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, It's uh, like, yeah. this past year, I saw so many young queer kids marching at Black Lives Matter uh, protests and showing up at these rallies. Yeah. It was such a large segment of the, of the young queer community. But he thinks, uh, oh, well, the older gays, they, they're tougher because they went through oppression and everything. And they, these young queers now are too sensitive. But like I said, he just treats it like it, 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 it's, not the, it's not the black queers, it's the white queers that are making that are victimizing him now. And who is this person? Dave Chappelle. Dave Ch Didn't he have a show? Well, he had a show originally. I forget was what channel it was. He had a, his own show. Where does he come from? Uh, I think Ohio. I'm not really no, sure. No, no. I know he lives here but now. His show business bona fides. He was a comedian. He's a stand-up stand comedian. comedian. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever, Saturday Night Live? No, he was never on that. Well, he appeared later on. So I guess he was never on that show. No, he started up as a stand-up comedian. All right. And then he had his own show on, I think it was on Comedy Central for a long while. Okay. It was a big hit. And he walked away from it because he thought that people were laughing at his humor for the wrong reasons, especially okay. white people. So then he walked away from it. So then he had his own, then he's been doing all these individual Netflix specials now. But for some reason, he just seems to go out of his way to attack trans people. 
And of course, his defense is, well, I had this trans woman friend who's a comedian, and she didn't take offense to anything I said. You know, that's the old saying, like, us white people saying, well, uh, some of my best friends are black. You know, and it's the same thing here. So like, what are we what are we doing about it? There's not a whole lot to be done about it. Netflix doesn't seem to care. They pretty much have said that. That so he's making money. Oh yeah, he's making he's made he's made his money from See, this. I figure Netflix is making more money off of all the controversy. Of course, let him say what he wants. I know their trans employees aren't happy, and I think they're staging a walkout tomorrow. Actually, like I said, I was never a fan of Dave Chappelle to begin with. Right, I don't right. pl- I don't plan to be one in the future. Right. But don't tell me he's a comic genius at the, this particular special, what I heard. There was nothing genius about what he had to say. Huh. It really it really was... Sounds awful. It, it was awful. I just don't care. He can say whatever he wants. Let him say whatever he wants. He, who's? I guess it's easy because he's not, you know, clearly... It's well, not one of the things that bugged me was when he talks about this, this incident in the diner, and he talks about this uh, young man, and his, his fingernails were painted, so therefore he was gay. Okay. And it's like, wow, you really don't get out much beyond the comedy clubs, do you? It's like, that's you just make that assumption. It's like, you don't know anything about youth today, gay or straight. How old is this person? He's probably in his late 40s, early 50s, maybe. I'm not really sure. Old enough to know better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not like some, you know, young buck or anything like that. He definitely has been around the block. So, yeah. So, my recommendation is, if you don't... <laughs> Don't watch the show. There's no need to. Just... So he wants to. He he wants to be able to say on Netflix and in stadiums, presumably, anything he wants to say about anybody he wants to say them, and embarrass people in yep. front of these huge crowds. Yeah. But he don't want to be embarrassed at McDonald's. Right. While he... Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's okay. like he doesn't want to have to answer for what he's you know yeah. saying. And you know what? And so he is a victim. Yeah. So he's a victim now. Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Avoid it, avoid it. That's all I can tell you. Next, we finally caught up on, um, after my isolation ended, we caught up on American Horror Story, Death Valley. Okay, yeah, it's weird. It, yeah, it's a, it's this somewhat campy, spoofy sci-fi takeoff. Eisenhower knew about Area 51. Yeah. And- was maybe maybe an alien? Yeah, she's possessed by an alien, and we yeah. make a treaty with the aliens where they can abduct people. Right, right, right. They can have X number of Americans, and in return, they we get their technology. Exactly. So I like the premise of the idea. Yeah, the ideas are always great. The, I mean, the, when they show the one kid, just they, you saw the whole part with the four teenagers. All of them are impregnated. Yes. And they're brought up to whatever they're brought yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the one kid gives birth and what they do to the baby. Yeah. Uh, that was a little... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gross. It's American yeah, Horror Story. Yeah, it's American Horror Story. You expect it to be gross. It's, you know, it's got to be it's just, it's a It's a weird story. It is. It, it, it's nothing he's ever done before. No, it really isn't. You it's very, about Ryan yeah, it's very does, 50s sci-fi camp. At the same time, I'm watching uh, Impeachment. Oh, the uh, yes, his other show. Yeah, and that's... Uh, American Crime Story. That's that's a totally different uh, genre. He's right, from, yeah, so. exactly. Well, I like in American Horror Story, the guy playing Nixon. I think it's, his name is Craig Schaefer. Okay. And I love how Nixon's like, yeah. we got to kill this one. Yeah. we got to kill yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's very funny. That was really good. There's always a, a Ryan Murphy takes aim. Yep. And in that one, it's Nixon. And in the other one, it's Linda Tripp. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine what, oh. about, what they do to Linda Tripp. Have you seen Diana? The musical? The musical. 
I've seen excerpts of it and listened to it. It's it's presented as a live recording of a performance. On yeah, Netflix, on Netflix. It's on right Netflix. Right. Yes, I was just going to say that. So for our listeners, if they yeah. want to look it up, yeah, I saw it. I I have watched the whole. I've only watched numbers. Okay. Some of the music is it's pretty bad. Oh my god! The lyrics, the lyrics are, are, the lyrics are horrible. And it's Joe DiPietro. I'm, I'm, I don't know why they're so bad. Yeah, it was like, what were they thinking? I don't know. Um, I don't know. The the one number I did like was the one with the um, the lover when he rises up out of the ground. Oh yeah, the, horse the opening of that off. Yeah, <laughs> that, and it was such a it was such a. None of the show had been that way up till then. I'm sure, right? And then out of the blue. Yeah, that's 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 how Act Two opens. But it seems like that they threw everything but the kitchen sink into this show. Yeah, there's and a number where she meets she meets with AIDS patients. Oh no! And there's really? a song. There's a number. Oh no! Um, oh no! That's you know sort of a mid-tempo Broadway. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's. Interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Let's just say I don't think I'll be rushing to buy tickets when it's on Broadway. No, no well, uh, yeah, no. I And they must be kicking themselves in the ass now for showing this movie on Netflix before the show actually opens on Broadway. Well, I think they'll make more money off the Netflix deal. I don't know. I don't well probably yeah, probably off of the Netflix deal they probably do, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the wave of the future. It's it's just I know, be, right? Between what happened with Hamilton and this, people watch it. Yeah, people want to see it. I know, and it's it's the, the way the whole the whole business around live shows is set up is is. But it's just like I mean, too antiquated I, now. It's got to do better. I, I went to iTunes and they actually have the the score for the sh- for the okay. for the musical on there. And I'm reading people's comments. Oh, this is the most beautiful music. Oh my god, I love the lyrics. And I'm like, and they're talking oh for that god. You people need to get out more. Yeah. At one point, I think he's... Like, there's a particularly bad lyric when he's holding... Charles is holding William for the first time. Yes! Yes! I know. Yes! And he says something like, well done. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very, very Um, bad. This makes the musical Carrie look like high art. Actually... Carrie's Harry's Carrie's musical music is much better than much, this music. That's for sure. Much better. Carrie's Carrie was staged oddly. Yeah, to say the least. The first time, right? You could do better with Carrie yeah. than that. Have you ever seen the clips of that on YouTube? Yes, I have. Oh, that's amazing to watch. I've directed that show. It deserves better than I've seen. I saw that production that you directed. Did you? Yes, I did. It it it. And I really enjoy it. It does. It deserves a better treatment than it got. Yes, agreed. Agreed. But it's a, it's an interesting show. I I don't you know it's the the premise is awful. Oh come on, yeah, it's a horror show. It's, it's a horror yeah, show. For it's God just God's sake. But yeah, uh, better. I I thought better than Diana. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a very high threshold to top. Uh, I I still think Diana's <laughs> better than Hair. Really? Uh, hair is awful. Oh. <laughs> I just... That is... That is... You don't like hair? Keep moving on before we lose listeners. Oh, okay. Uh, what oh, else did I... Freaks. What else did we... Oh! I watched a movie I should have seen a long, long time ago, but always put it off. Okay. But I was sitting here. It was like the last night of my isolation, and then it was on um, Turner Classic Movies. So I watched it. Citizen Kane. Oh, it's a good movie. I've only seen clips of it. I've never watched the whole thing in its entirety. And that night, I watched it in its entirety. Yeah. 
It's an amazing It's film. an amazing movie. It's such an amazing film. There are people, I got young people today who watch it, they're going to say, what's the big deal? It's like, because you're seeing techniques and filming styles and lighting and things that were never done before, before Orson Welles yeah, did it film. in this movie. The way his use of shading and lighting, the sets, the sets are unbelievable in yeah. this movie. It's yeah. really, it's astounding. It really is. And, this, and that's his film debut at the age of 26. That's his he first was, movie. Tw- I knew he was around 30. I didn't realize he was as young Yeah, I think it was 26, 26 he was. Yeah. Who financed it? Jesus. Who's going to give... Because it wasn't cheap. No. Well, he made money from the Mercury Theater also, don't forget. That was probably where his... Because you're right about him in the in the He was movie. a popular director, stage yeah. director yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. too. The Before li- he worked I- with John Houseman. The lighting... The lighting in that movie is see. I always thought that black and white, black and white directors, black and white lighting designers lived in a color world, so they had a skill about how to light things to imply color. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. They, they could, or they they had to make three dimensional people looked three dimensional because they because of the way the lighting was, right. it wasn't flat. Yeah. And Orson Welles being a theater director, I think excelled at that. Yes, definitely. Aesthetic and and figured out how to do it at 26 is pretty astounding. It really is. For movies. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what I can't remember what year it was made. It's in the 30s, I it guess, was, right? Could it have been 39? Let's find out. Let's go to the Wayback Machine. I mean, I know 39 is uh, the year of Hollywood. I don't think it was 39. Right. That's what I was thinking. No, it's not. It can't be the magic year. 1941. 41. Yep. And he was, let me see, that was made in 41. He was born, oh, he was a little bit older, maybe, because he was born in 1915. So in 41, well, he just would have been in his late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. That's where the debut, right? Yeah. But yeah, so I'm really glad I got to see that finally. That's like I can cross that one off the list now. Yeah, that's movie homework. Yeah. That's like on everybody's movie Right, that's a movie I need to see. And then, of course, someone just said to me, have you seen Dr. Zhivago? And I'm like... Oh, I haven't I, seen... Like, 30 or 40 years ago, I saw it. Yeah, the last time I saw it. It was my, one of my mother's favorite movies. Everyone of a certain generation loves that movie. I think yeah. my parents liked that one as well. So, yeah, I have to look for that one. Well, but Citizen Kane is a good time. movie. Yeah, Citizen Kane... It's, really... like, it's like a flick, you know? It's yeah. still kind of hippish. It's not... Uh, to me, to me, what's it's... What the... It's not dated. It doesn't seem dated. No, well, it. It's it really unfortunately doesn't. not dated. No, but the uh, yeah, no, he was he was brilliant. That yeah. man was brilliant. One of the last things I saw was a trailer for a film called Being the Ricardos. Oh, you know, I heard about this today for the very first time because they released a trailer for it today. Do I love it or do I hate it? They don't really show a whole lot. They tell, don't tell show. Me, tell me who, what, when. Well, it stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. Oh, it stars Harvey. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. And Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. Well, he's so much meatier than Desi Arnaz. Right. Desi Arnaz is a little tiny. I guy. know. And it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Oh. So, oh. yeah. So, they released a trailer for it. You don't see much of Nicole Kidman as Lucy. I imagine not. <clears throat> you know, they're teasing it out and stuff. So, it looks intriguing, you know? People are going to watch it because people yeah. love Lucy, tell, you know? Tell me the name. I adore Lucy, that, that, that TV series. Right? Wow. Yeah, so. So what is it? It's 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 called The Ricardos? or the, uh, Being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos. It's just as, like, what the fuck kind of title is I Love Lucy? 
You know, that's how they got Ricky. Ricky is presumably the I. Right. In okay. I Love Lucy. Yeah. Okay? So that's... They couldn't call it Rick or Ricardo. They couldn't call it the Ricky on... The Desi Arnaz show. They couldn't... They couldn't really use his name at all. Well, they did it. Well, according to the premise of the show, and that's in the trailer, the premise of the show is that she that she made the show to be with her husband. Yeah. To have something to work on her husband. Yeah. With. Yeah. Well, she needed to keep him around. She yeah. needed to keep an eye on him. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For all the good uh, it did her. What's that? For all the good it did her. I know. And then lastly, this is something I read. They're releasing a new jukebox musical. Oh, I saw this today. I read a single sentence about this today. Are you going to say Britney Spears? I was going to say Britney Spears. Yes, they're it's, making a musical of her. It's called Once Upon a One More Time. Once Upon a One More That's Time. That's the name of it. Okay. I Why? 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 <laughs> Britney's been in the movie, in the news. Oh my recently. god! Enough! I miss up to here with like the jukebox to... musicals. I God, I hate them. They're here to stay for twenty. I know years. they're all gonna make fucking money. It's all about. That's what. But that's what you got. So unless you got the you know three hundred grand or quarter million dollars or fourteen million dollars to lay down to do a show, you ain't got nothing to say about it. It's depressing. I'd rather just watch. Local theater out here in Long Island. So well, you're getting the same revival. There's money it's, making it's crap and two hundred dollars cheaper. Yeah, no, that too. No kidding, right? Uh, just uh, don't get me started. And that concludes our segment on we like to watch. We like that was a long we like to watch segment. I know, right? It was a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, yeah we don't usually talk that much about. I know. We now move on to celebrities saying stupid things. Oh, this is why I come here. Oh, this for this segment? I love this. Oh, okay. I love this. Well, this week's candidate for the celebrity saying stupid things was Tucker Carlson. Oh, does he even count? Normally, no, I wouldn't count him, but I, is... I bring this up because it is just so petty. Okay, go ahead. He's commenting on Pete Buttigieg, who is currently the Secretary of the Department of Transportation under the Biden administration. So, last Thursday, this is what Carlson had to say about him. Pete Buttigieg has been on leave from his job since August after adopting a child. Paternity leave, they call it. Trying to figure out how to breastfeed. No word on how that went. So, that's what he said. Now, except for the ignorance that Buttigieg had twins who they adopted, not one child. So, it's like, you already got the facts wrong on that. Number two... The company Carlson works for, Fox News, they have a paternity leave policy. Their TV hosts have used it and have talked about it and saying how glad they have it. So it's just the hypocrisy, it stinks. And Buttigieg, all he basically said in retort to this was, in his case, meaning Carlson's, I guess he just doesn't understand the concept of bottle feeding, let alone the concept of paternity leave. There's another thing I can add to that. What's that? That whole thing, that, that, that whole... It's just, you know, um, I mean, first of all, this whole thing of just trying to emasculate him, it's like uh, Pete Buttigieg served in the Navy for eight years. He served a term over in Afghanistan. Fucking Tucker Carlson was a fucking boarding room brat, boarding schools all over the damn place, who got rejected by the Central Intelligence Agency when he applied. So then he went into journalism because his dad said, oh, they'll take anybody in journalism. So it's like... You're not worthy of shining fucking Pete Buttigieg's boots. That's true. You know? All of that is true. I mean, it's bad enough that you're a scummy, white nationalist, homophobe, xenophobe, misogynist, 
supporter of fascism. Now you have to basically let everyone also know, oh, I'm very petty too. Yeah, well, that's part of it. You know, it's just... Did you see? Did you see Donald Trump's press release about Colin Powell? Oh yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, the pettiness. Pettiness there. is pettiness abounds. Pettiness is, I think, part of it. Can you imagine, like, you know, a former president saying that about when MacArthur died or any other general died? Can you imagine a former president saying that about any general? It's disgusting. It is disgusting. It, it, it's it's, and that's where this this ill comes from. It's the need to 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 break others down so I have something to stand on. Yeah, it is. It's just and there's the. I, I know, he keeps saying there's nothing we can do about it, but that's just, a shame of it. There is nothing we can do about no, there's something it. No, there's Which is why we're it. going into the toilet. Somebody, somebody, could, somebody could grow a fucking pair and do what's right and go after what went on, the graft and the, and the, the crime that happened from... 2016 to 2020. I know. Somebody can do that. Hopefully, well, we will. Or they can't. And if they can do it, they should. And if they can't do it, then we're all fucked. So what are we talking about? I know. I know. What's the point? I don't even want to go down that path tonight. Uh, So that concludes our discussion of celebrities saying stupid things. If you say so. (laughs) We now move on to our next segment, Five Phase. Five Phase. Tonight's topic is, name your five favorite novels or works of fiction. Novels or works of fiction. The written works of fiction. Written works of fiction. To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh, good choice. Very good choice. When did you first read that? High school. Yep, I think everyone first read that book in high school, right? Yeah, Yeah, I love the movie. I've read (coughs) it a hundred times. Uh, Yeah. Oh, cool. Good choice. My first choice... Is a it's not it's not a novel, it's a collection of short stories called Dubliners by James Joyce. Oh yeah, I figured you'd go there. It's my favorite short story collection ever. I've never read such a great short story collection. Okay. Because they're not they're ostensibly the stories aren't linked, but they follow an arc in their pattern of like right. life to death. And the last story in find those famous it's called The Dead. Uh it was made into a movie with Angelica Houston and John Houston. It's a Christmas story with a kind of a sad, bittersweet ending okay. to it, but it's an it's an incredible story and an incredible collection. Nice. Yeah. What's your number two choice? Uh, the Picture of Dorian Gray. Ooh, Oscar Wilde. Uh, well, anything Oscar Wilde wrote. Okay. I, I just you know, Oscar is uh, the shoulders I stand on. Although I don't write it, I'm not particularly <laughs> witty or urbane, but he is. Yeah, I, uh, I have a big fan. Oh, cool. I'm a big fan. Very good choice. My next choice is a novel written in the 20th century. <laughs> well, actually, so was Dubliners, but uh, this one's written by a gay, a gay writer named Ethan Morden. He's also written um, a lot of books on the history and criticism of Broadway theater and yeah. musicals. In fact, I have a whole collection of his books here yeah, on yeah, the yeah. theater. But he wrote this fiction novel called How Long Has This Been Going On? And it's basically an epic gay novel that starts in like the 1940s in San Francisco and runs like through the next 40 years of all these like interlocking stories, like, like War and Peace and Tolstoy, you know, okay. all, this whole cast of characters that span the, the decades. I, I've read the book like three or four times already. That's, that's how much I love this huh. book. Really, really good book. I highly recommend it. Interesting. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. I really enjoy. there's even one chapter they're dealing with a ser- with a serial killer who's killing gay men in his park in California. Okay, 
and they have and one chapter is like on the perspective of the of the killer, and that was kind of spooky and stuff. It's not a whole, it's not a big part of the book, but it's one of those sections that I really remembered. And then, then they have, they spent a whole section on this whole love story between these two closeted men in Minnesota who oh. grow up together and everything. That tells the whole story of them, and it ties them in to other characters later right, on right, in, the story, right, right. in the novel. It's it's an amazing novel. I highly recommend it. Okay. So this is you're talking about stories presented in novel form specifically. No, you, well, that's why I said other works of fiction. Okay. But that's why I said written works of fiction. Written so. works of fiction. Okay. My turn. Yep. Your turn. Uh, number three. In no particular order. This is only number three. Yep. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh wow! Have you ever read that book? No, I saw the movie with that Ezra Miller. Fucked with me. It fucked me up. The that movie fucked is, me up. The movie was kind of fucked up too. The, the, Tilda Swinton was in that. I, I don't Miller. know. I don't know the movie, but the the twist at the end of it. Y- well, yeah, the ending of the movie was screwed me up. Okay, totally messed with me. I thought that was just such the that kind of twist. Uh, I never saw coming. I I loved that. Okay, I loved that. That it did that to me. Oh, yeah. that's good to know. No. I saw I saw the movie with Tilda Swinton and Ezra Miller. He, I did he played Kevin, and both of them are really good. It's, it, but it's, it's it's a fucked up movie it's too. A, it's, it must be because the the way that it's structured very much one way, and then they kick you in the nuts. Okay. Oh, I like books like that. Yeah, yeah. I like books like that. Yeah. My next choice is a book called Cloud Atlas. You may it was a it was a movie that you hate with Tom oh. Hanks. <laughs> you you tell the nice people in the Netherlands. I love you, Netherlands and Germany. Come on, you. I need to be there. Uh, I'm gonna go get some French wine. Because <laughs> this is, I was, I'm still mad at you for that night. Why is because that? Because I'm not going to be alive for very long, and you wasted six and a half hours of my time to watch that horrible movie. And I, well, you should have read the book first. No. Because the book is amazing. No. Uh, it's written by a guy named David Mitchell, who I've, not, I've read a number of other books as well, which are really good. Uh, like The Bone Clots, which is a really good story. But he wrote this book, Cloud Atlas, which basically also spans time and involves reincarnation and taking responsibility. Don't and look at me when you talked about this. Redemption for past me. sins. And the story goes forward in time and then backward in time. And that's what I loved about it. And the way he ties all these interlocking stories together and how they're related. He's very good at that, uh, David Mitchell. He's done that in, his other, in other books as well. Uh, there's one called Number Nine Dream, which is like that as well. Okay. Yeah. But I yeah, don't either of them. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I know many people don't like the movie, but I'm biased. I'm I like the movie. that trees were sacrificed to create a writing surface. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't seem fair to me. What's your number four choice, Thomas? Um, books. We're talking about favorite works of fiction. And of course, now I can't... How many do I owe you? Two? Two. Fuck. I only was easily able to come up with three. That's sad. <laughs> you know why? I like biographies. Okay. But we're not talking about... I know. We're not talking about biographies. But we'll save that for another... another yeah, yeah. That's, that'll be a good one. Because, well, that'll take me forever because I love biographies. I'm trying to think of... Are there any plays that you've read? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but I don't want to do plays. Plays are too easy. Okay. Let me say, I've read a lot of horror. Okay. Misery. Hmm. 
Misery, Misery was the only book I ever read where I had to cover my eyes while I was reading it because I was so scared of what was on the page. Okay. That I covered my eyes like I couldn't believe what I was saying. It's, 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 it's an intense novel. It's an, it's, it, we talked about this just recently. Yeah, we, we did. About we Kathy Bates. About, we yeah, exactly. Uh, when Kathy Bates walked onto the screen, okay. I, I, I thought my throat was going to fall out through my ass. <laughs> Everything just dropped. And the person I went to see that movie with, Tony Dunn, vomited during that scene and that scene was in as bad in the movie as it was in the book (laughs) so i'm going to say as far as like having a visceral reaction to a a work of fiction okay uh misery goes misery good choice misery's up there yeah cool my next choice i'm going a little more i guess highbrow not you. Can you imagine that? Not me you. going highbrow? People are going to be like, oh, please, you got to be kidding me. But my next choice is The Brothers Karamazov by uh, Dostoevsky. It's a... I've read... I studied Dostoevsky when I was in high school and in college. What high school makes you study Dostoevsky? I was an advanced placement English. That was in the... Yes, and we each had to choose a novelist. And write a whole paper, and had to read like about I don't know how many of their works. And, what and I read, I read all of this. This was in twelfth grade, senior my senior year. The senior school. in high school, you decided to spend researching and writing a paper on Dostoevsky. Yep. And then in college, I think this is the ninth level of nerd. Yeah, oh, it like gets I, even worse. In college, I had an independent. Uh, I'm not sure it was an independent writing course. But I've been basically able to craft the course based on the works of Dostoevsky. Oh, so oh. I wrote more about him in college as well. So I've read all of his works, all of his novels, everything, uh, Crime and Punishment, Notes from the Underground, The, the Demons, The Idiot. But his last novel is his, his, his greatest novel, The Brothers Karamazov. Uh-huh. It's about, it's a, it's a murder mystery. Uh, this, this father, who's a really horrible human being, gets murdered, uh, and one of his three sons is, is suspected of the murder. And that's the, that's, the, that's the outlying premise of the novel, but it's much more expansive than that. And it's one of those great Russian epic novels, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, big thumbs up for Brothers Karamazov. Big thumbs up for Brothers Kazmarov. Yeah. Uh, God, one more, huh? <laughs> I got one more. Um, hmm. Hmm. I want to go to, like, uh, you know, I want to be fancy. Okay. But the fact is, I don't like a lot of the fancy. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. Because it's too fancy. <laughs> like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't love, despite the fact that I love Oscar Wilde. Right. I don't love flowery language. Okay. And I don't think Oscar Wilde is flowery. No, he's not. But, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of the importance of being earnest. It's not one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, but I like Salome. Okay. Salome, I think, is a great, is a great play that yeah. he wrote. You know? Uh-huh. Uh, so, I, do, I like... I lean. I would lean more toward like. Uh, uh, okay, I'll give you one. This let this be number five. Okay, Gatsby. Really? Yeah. I hate that novel. <laughs> so many people do. You know what it is? It's a simplicity of writing. Okay. It's it clearly tells us it, it clearly tells a story and, and 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 what he means by telling that story is clearly evident. Um, it, I don't have to go searching too hard. You know, like I do with the Mexican Garcia, A Thousand Years of Solitude. Oh, okay. I read um, that book. It was Gabriel hoping. Gar- for, yeah. I felt like I was in A Thousand Years of Solitude. <laughs> um, uh, and Hemingway. Hemingway writes very easy, not clear, very clear, non-flowery. This is what I mean. Right. 
books. Okay. I like that. Okay. Um, I like Gatsby. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 Gatsby also works for me as a play. I was able to stage the play. Yes, I saw that high school production. Which was, which was <laughs> interesting to do. Yeah, you know, sure. Oh, I'd love to be able to do a play with, of, um, uh, uh, Cloud Atlas? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd love to see that play. <laughs> and a book burning. <laughs> yeah, Gatsby. Mockingbird. Um, I meant Mockingbird. I know. Everyone says it's the great American novel. I don't like it. I don't like the characters. I find nothing that I care. Like, I don't care about not the characters. Nick. No, not even Nick. Nick's just the observer. Uh, yeah, I know. He's just watching. I know. I don't even care. I don't even care about him. I mean, I, I, I've seen stories, like, to me, Dear Evan Hansen, there's mm-hmm. not a single redeeming character in that Yeah, that, in and that, that I, agree, I agree with you on that, too. Uh, with the possible exception of his mother, who has her toes dangerously close to the line across which she should not cross, right. which is the pouty, sad, my son doesn't love me mother. Yeah. But she does nothing that directly affects negatively the people around her, like the rest of those people do. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Nick necessarily is a is a is a bad character. He's just he's just a cipher. He's just there. He's just yeah, he's not way into the story. I mean, he's he's but but he doesn't. Uh, but I just find the other characters so. I just yeah I, no, I don't like the novel. Don't like it. Okay. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I try, but you don't no. have to apologize to me. I don't collect the royalties. I, well, now we're on our five favorites. Is there one novel or a work that you absolutely hated reading? Red Badge of Courage. Really? I've never read it. Why did you hate it? It was too dense. Ooh, excuse us. Our producer, my husband, has brought us cookies. Thank you, husband. Thank you, husband. It's nice to see you home. Thank It's nice to see you scratch. Um, yeah, I just couldn't get through that book. I didn't care about whether or not he ever made it home. I don't care. I don't like that book. I okay. don't. I, I don't like that book. Okay, the one book I absolutely detest is Atlas Shrugged by mm-hmm. Ayn Rand. It is truly the, the worst novel I've ever read. It's got an interesting premise. I mean, it's 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 a libertarian capitalist wet dream. The whole premise uh-huh. of it and stuff, but it's an interesting premise. But she writes these one dimensional characters, and they don't talk to each other. They, they make speeches to each other. They pontificate to each other. Even the Too sex, much exposition. Even the sex scenes are ridiculous in this novel. It's just, I, I, I hate it. The only thing this book is good for is a doorstop or a paperweight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole big, who's John Galt? This character makes a speech, or he like commandeers like the radio, the radio waves or whatever, and makes a speech. It's 80 pages long. Oh, my God. I skimmed it because it's just the same thing over and over and over. It's like, enough. We get the fucking point. Well, maybe you don't. So you need uh, that extra 79 pages. It's, uh, it's, I was, I, I was truly the most painful novel I've ever read. I must avoid. Okay. And Good that time. concludes our segment on five faves. We now move on to our final segment. Grumpy old gay men's gripe of the week. I'm so ready. Oh, and what is your gripe this week, Thomas? Shopping bags. Shopping bags. So what happened was, we suddenly became involved and interested in the sea turtles. Okay. Okay, Now, I don't blame the sea turtles. I'm on the side of the sea turtles. 
I want to see them prosper and be healthy. Suffolk County puts a ban on plastic bags. When you go to 7-Eleven, the wine store, the liquors, wherever you go, plastic bags. They put this ban. They're not allowed to be given out anymore. And they charge you if they, if they give you one. So they're going to charge me five cents for a bag. Okay, so if you can remember the bags, the you would take, everybody had a kitchen cabinet full of plastic bags that they got from the supermarket or from the 7-Eleven or whatever. You would right. put a bag full of bags in a cabinet. Okay. Now these bags are so cheap and so awful that for the five cents I'm paying, I can't get it to my car. All right, this is a two-parter. Oh, no. Now what they're right. doing is they're, they're pointing off paper bags. Now, paper bags were never the target of the ban. Okay. Because paper bags will dissolve with the environment and they pose no immediate threat to the sea turtles. Correct. Okay. Whereas plastic bags do. Will last forever, especially the good ones that we used to have cabinets full of. Exactly. Now these cheap motherfuckers, they talk about, I don't know, a baby parrot can't poke its way out of one of these bags. <laughs> but still, okay. Okay. So now they're paper bags. Paper bags were never part of this. You brought paper bags into this. And you're giving me the cheap bears paper bags like, like newfound civilizations who just created fucking bags are making paper bags. The good paper bags that you would use to cover your books with at school. That really kind of good brown paper. It don't exist. And they're charging me for it. I'm griping. Fuck that. Fuck, pa- fuck shopping bags. Fuck it. Uh, have you ever thought of bringing your own, yes! your own bags with yeah. you? And... I, there are times I remember, and it's extremely successful. Okay. So that's a good thing. Yes. And I feel like I'm showing my love for the sea turtles. Yes, you are. Every and now and again, I forget to forget your bags. And they give me these cheap bags. Cheap bags that they're charging me for. I don't like it. It's a scam. It's like red light cameras. It's a scam. I'm done. Are you sure? I am. Well, thank you for sharing your gripe. You asked. I'm glad I did. Do you want to hear my gripe? Uh, yeah, sure. My gripe is driving on Long Island. Oh, so you're always so much more... Well, the thing is, I don't drive. I know, I'm going to say that. I'm just just a rider. So I don't have half the aggravation, let's say, that my husband does, Mr. Road Rage. Yeah, can we stop here for a second? Yes. We really shouldn't use him as the baseline driver. (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. He's a lot smarter driver than most drivers Which are, leads to his road know? rage. But no, yes, he's very impatient with other drivers. But that's not the issue here. The issue here is how bad it is driving on Long Island. Oh, it's horrible. In general. The, tra- is, the traffic nowadays is the worst I have ever seen on Long Island. Well, there's I've never more people seen than there ever was. I know. You're older than you ever were. Right. And I'll tell you what, when the wave finally breaches Long Island, we are fucked. You can't get off of Long Island. No, no kidding. Yeah, there's only one way, and that's you, it. Yeah. That's you, it. Cannot, you, you have to go to the west, and you got to take one of those, I don't know how many, but infinite, 12, with being bridges. Oh, okay. You, you're going to have to cross a bridge or go under a tunnel and then cross a bridge to get off of Long Island. Yeah. 
You go down, you're going to drive out east and try to catch a ferry. You can't, you, and, and the situation that I'm talking about, the storm that happens, ferries are going to be... Kaput. Yeah, they're going to be unplugged. You, you can't use ferries. Well, I'm just hoping that I have lakefront property here in Farmingdale. In Farmingdale, yeah, you with might. Storm, with a big you might, hits. especially if the, if the storm happens a little further east. But it's just, it's, um, the other day, like, we were driving, we had to drop off Abigail to get our hair cut in Massapequa Park. And then we had to go to rehearsal in Lindenhurst. And we get over there, and the main road that goes through Lindenhurst, well, what avenue, well, oh. halfway down, the, this is at 1 p.m. in the afternoon now, on a Saturday, one of the busiest parts of the day, because everyone who is working is going out for lunch. Hold on. Other when, people When was this? This is on this past Saturday. There was a parade in, in Lindenhurst. Yes, I know, because we ran right into it. it. Yeah. So we try to go down some side streets. There are other side streets. Other people are doing the same idea. Before you know it, traffic is now getting clogged. In the side streets. All on the side streets adjacent to the parade, and there are no police there to direct the traffic. All the police are down at the parade. So it took us like a half an hour to get from Massapequa Park to finally getting parking in Lindenhurst. In Lindenhurst. It was unbelievable because of the amount of traffic and cars. That's a 10-minute ride. That's a 10-minute ride, and this turned to a 30-minute ordeal because we got stuck behind all these cars on these side streets. It's just that the volume of traffic is out of hand on Long Island. Yeah, really. I, yeah. Long Island used to be a pleasure to drive on. You, did, you I remember as a kid, going, my, my parents and my dad getting in the car, taking rides down to Jones Beach or taking rides out east. We used to ride to see the Christmas decorations. Right, okay, yeah. Yep, did that also. We went to the beach, but we went to the, like, going to the beach, if you live on Long Island, going to your beach is sort of like your job. So yeah. You, you, you know, you go to the beach. Right. The beach is fucking awesome. Exactly. Now, I, I've been back on Long Island 20 years. I ain't been on a beach all that time. Okay. Um, if I feel the urge, I drive Ocean Parkway. Yeah, which is great. Okay, and there's a few areas you can drive on and enjoy it. Like, you know, I, I I very much enjoy beach culture. Yes, I don't want to be in the sun. <laughs> I don't want to be in the sun. I don't want to be in the sand. But I like the whole uh, hanging out. Hang, I like it there. I like that I know it's there. and I can go to it. Yeah, know? I like the tiki bar. Um, I like when the when 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 the steel band when the steel drum band is right. far away. Um, I like the male bathing suits. Amen to that. Um, <laughs> we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. I got to tell you, this was a long one. Really? It didn't seem that long. You're not feeling bad. I'm feeling bad. Well, it's because you are, yeah, you're not feeling bad. I'm well, not feeling so. well. This was, this, was, this was long. Well, we thank you very much for coming. I don't thank me, bitch. There's just you and me. Who are you thanking? <laughs> I'm talking in the royal we. Oh, the royal we. Yes, one. I am a big queen. One does not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, um, so, what do we do now that we're done? Well, now we list out our credits and say our, our goodbyes. Bye. We want to thank our producer Stephen Prendergast, as always. Uh, yeah, we need we need to have a segment with him. Why do you think that? Um, because I I think that we, you and me, okay, go a long way. <laughs> a little of you and me go a long way. So maybe, you know, like, or even have, have them phone in from the next year. We'll have Ernie come talk. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do a holiday episode. We'll, we'll have oh, a I guest know, order, no, too. No, no holiday episode. Well, of course, we have to have a holiday episode. We have holidays coming up. What holiday are we going to celebrate? I don't know. I mean, we have Halloween coming up. Halloween. Thanksgiving okay. and Christmas. Thanksgiving. So we got plenty of holidays we can bring up and have special Yeah, I love the holidays. On. Right? Yeah. 
Anyway, you, you can catch our episodes on Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast providers. Anyway, if you are listening to the show and you like the show, please post a comment or review. Where I there are plenty of places for you to do for that. To fucking... You can go to our website. You can, we're on one Facebook, comment. and, and nobody ever left one comment. And we're on Twitter. All we ever get are inquiries about gay men. That's all I ever get is, you know, hi, how you doing? I'm like, this is not a gay web website. This is not a gay dating site. I maintain you. The the title of it is misleading. How so? Gay. What is it? Grumpy old gay men and their dogs. See, There's nothing I, misleading about that. I think that some people might find that hot. Well, I don't know who those people are. Well, I'm come on, there are people who know. find all sorts of things hot. Yes, I guess so. They wrap themselves in saran wrap, for fuck's sake. Why wouldn't they find, you know, two old gay men and their dog? Why don't we? Grumpy I'm old gay men. Go grumpy old. Are we old? Yes, well, well you men. are anyway. Well, grumpy old gay men. First of all, you outed me. Which I think is fucked. How did you how? By putting me on a podcast called Grumpy Old Gay Men. But I think by implication, people would think that my recurring appearances uh-huh. means that I'm part of the Grumpy Gay Men. You are a Grumpy Old Gay Man. I know. So what's the point? Because you outed me. You put me out. Oh, on... because nobody knew. Nobody had a clue about you. The people in the Philippines didn't know. <laughs> The people in Norway. Come on, somebody from Norway, please. (laughs) Yeah, no Norwegian. Just no, just just, well from Germany. Just Ireland. Are you from? I'm like ninety four percent Irish. Like I had my twenty three and me done. Okay, mostly Irish and you know pale white people from up north. Okay, in the cold. (laughs) Yeah, so you know you people just just say hey bitch two words hey bitch or don't even just just please leave comments something. You can believe it on our website, Grumpy Old Game Men and their friend and their dogs.com. And their friends. We're also on uh, Facebook and we are on Twitter. And you can also email us at Patrick at Grumpy Old Game Men and their dogs.com. And don't forget to email me at Tommy. No, we haven't got gr- an email just for you yet. Talk to Steven about that. <laughs> Sorry. And this brings us to our conclusion. We thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll be back here next week with a new episode. Until then, have a good week. Bye, bitches. <laughs>